Alright, here we go. One, two. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Reach Arts. We are a community arts organization in Swampscott, Massachusetts. In this first series, we are asking six local artists 20 questions. These questions range from how do you procrastinate to what would you do with an imaginary friend? Keep listening to get to know a few artists and how they think about art, life, stuff. Episode one, Samia Atui. Samia Atui is an artist who runs Miramar Print Lab on Humphrey Street. Miramar Print Lab is an art studio, shop, and gallery. It focuses on the art of printmaking. At Miramar, Sam teaches printmaking to individuals at all levels. She sells limited edition collections of art for your home and body. She loves to chat. Drop by anytime you are walking by and you see the open side on the door. I'm here today with Samia Atui at the Miramar Print Lab, and I've got 20 questions for you. Are okay. you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Okay. Let's start with what did you want to be when you were growing up? Okay, well, I think I always wanted to be an artist, though I absolutely toyed with other ideas that are pretty classic. I feel like two young girls, like veterinarian, maybe a ballerina for a minute. Um, and then I think uh, I worked very much like as a businesswoman for a number of years doing like customer service jobs. And obviously, as you progress in any career, you kind of imagine that as your future. But I always have come back to art. So I'm really happy to be doing that full time right now. And what is the first piece of art that you ever made? Okay, so I obviously can't totally remember that because little kids make a lot of things. But one of the things I really remember at a very young age making was I went to um, I went to a preschool. Uh, I had a speech and, and hearing handicap, so I kind of went to a, a different sort of preschool. And we used to do these drawings out of um, pudding, like chocolate pudding. And that, I think I really enjoyed. I still really remember doing that. And like doing all the drawing, of course, you could like eat the chocolate pudding. It's a way better take on finger painting. I encourage that for everyone. Have you ever done that with your own kids? Um, no, I think I did a lot of classic finger. I think I used actual finger paints. We did a lot of, we always had them in the art studio. So then I think at mealtime, I wasn't doing extra things. But we could still do that. I don't think any of us are too old. Okay. Now, what's your favorite artwork by someone else? So, um, my uh, my grandfather actually collected some artwork from um, the Mission Beach area in San Diego. So we had a lot of that up in my house growing up. And there is one piece, I actually don't know the artist very well, but it's called Women of Flowers, and I think his last name is McCracken. And my mom still has the piece. And I've done a lot of pieces on that. And if you look at my art, I do a lot of women with flowers. And so that's my favorite piece of art because I think it's been the most influential in some way. It's nothing like the work I do. It's very um, mid-century, so it's pretty abstract in a lot of ways. But it's kind of large, like maybe as big as me. And it's all colors. I don't know. I find it really beautiful. And I still look at it. 
Good. And what, what, so is that your inspiration? Because the next question is where do you find inspiration? I don't know that that piece is exactly my inspiration for all of the context of the of work I do now, but obviously it was a starting point. And I think, um, you know, growing up, my family obviously helped get me onto the direction that I'm going. That's undeniable. But with my work, with flowers and portraits, and I do some abstract stuff, but even that is based in like color. Um, I think for me, color, but then it's women. I, women are the constant theme. And what's interesting when you look like that, the artist I'm talking about, I mean, it's a beautiful, I love that piece. A lot of men draw women. I'm a woman drawing women, and I think about that very consciously. Uh, it's, I think it's a different way of looking at women, and I put flowers with that in the way that um, flowers and women are both, when drawn by men, often decorative. But they're so much more, and individual, and beautiful, and life and death all wrapped up into that exquisite package and for me that's where my inspiration comes from and I think that's why I do that theme over and over in my work. Okay and when you start a piece of work of new work how do you begin? Okay so a number of different ways depending on what I'm doing. Down here at Miramar where I'm, where I'm primarily been doing woodblock prints um, I would say for the last year that's been most of what I've been doing and we all go through phases right so the year before I was doing a lot of monoprints that's a different process in the last year with the woodblock prints I have been starting with first obviously an idea in your head and then a lot of gesture drawings like watercolor kind of drawings over and over until I land like so the bolt behind me over and over and maybe I have to change what the boat is or change the angle that I'm looking at or change the way this curve is until I kind of get to one that that gesture that I like enough that I'm willing to put it onto a block and then I can kind of go from there and you're still editing from that point. Um, sometimes with a piece that is uh, for down here a little bit more like a couple of colors I might play with the colors on Photoshop or something as opposed to having to test every color but once you're doing it in, in in the studio in real light you have to make adjustments but you might think well what if it was because this was going to be blue I think blue and white or blue and black in the beginning and now it's like like this goldish green um, I think that was actually an accident in printing um, but that's you know part of the process there when I'm not doing a print I'm one of those artists that likes to rework on the surface, not give up, but work through. And the issue with that is you can overwork things and ruin them that way. Um, but that's, that is very much how I work if I'm doing a drawing or a painting. It's layering over and over and, and continuing to go. And do you have something special that you wear when you're making your art? No, not at all. Uh, I generally just keep ruining clothes. I, I kind of... I have to dress somewhat messy, like it's a, like I'm trying to be better and wearing messier clothes when I come down to the shop, but I, or if I know I'm going to be messy, but I actually really don't like me wearing messy clothes. Like I like to wear, I kind of like to have nicer clothes and then I ruin them over and over. And then I have no nice clothes. And what about music? What do you play when you're making your art? So, um, I actually, when I'm alone in the studio, listen to a lot of NPR 
uh, as opposed to listening to music. Um, Sometimes when I'm in my home studio, I actually might be having TV on. I feel like I'm not supposed to say that, but it's the truth about me. I, when you're, you've been here in the shop, I always play music. I always like something on. Right now, it's really quiet, and I notice that. I like a little bit of noise going on. I put music on during the classes. It's actually like this source of weird pressure for me to like pick out music for other people. I don't know. I also live with somebody who plays music all the time. So I'm never really the one at home picking music. And I grew up like that too. My mother and my sister always had music on. So I was never picking music. So when I'm by myself, I actually will watch TV or put on the news. And do you procrastinate? And how do you always. do it? How do you do it? I mean, there's so many <laughs> fantastic ways to procrastinate. And some of them can be deceptively productive, right? Like. Uh, doing the dishes can be a form of procrastination, though they actually have to get done. So, but you know, there are days when you know you need to get up and you need to go and you need to be doing certain things and maybe you don't want to do them or you're not feeling inspired. You know, with art, it might be that you're not feeling inspired, but also with business, it might just be that you don't really feel like putting together that email or whatever. And you can find a million ways, like housework, I think, can be a procrastination. When it comes to creative stuff, sometimes the business side of things can be a procrastination. Um, and then sometimes with the business side of things, your art can be a procrastination. You can use all things to procrastinate from what you're doing. I'm really good at that. I'm also really good at working under pressure, so I can usually get my stuff done at the end of it. Does anything scare you? Uh, many, many things scare me. Um, you know, big questions about uh, the universe, like actually just thinking about the expanse of the universe really is overwhelming to me. I don't know if you have those moments when you just think about how large everything is and it's overwhelming. And then really small things like, I didn't realize I had a fear of heights until I think I just thought I had a fear of falling, but I actually think that that might be a fear of heights. Like I actually maybe am a little bit afraid of being up high because I can fall. So many things. There are many things I'm afraid of. Okay. <laughs> and when did you start calling yourself an artist? So I think I, I think my mother always called me an artist. So I have likely always called myself an artist. And I, oh, and she always was putting me in art programs. And I, and some of that might go back to I mentioned like having a little bit of some speech issues as a child. Um, that that was like an easy place for me in school. But I think it was also, I mean, I obviously enjoyed it. And the more you enjoy something, the better you, you do at it. And then the more people will say these things. So that was easy. But I also am really a big fan of more people calling themselves an artist. Um, people come in here and they'll say, well, I'm not an artist. Even though they draw, they'll tell me about their drawing and painting at home. I'm what... What does it take to make yourself an artist? I, I think if it's if you write, you're a writer. You know, if you if you go to work in a business suit, you're a business person. Like, and if you are sitting at home and you're drawing, you're taking your sketchbook out and you're drawing or you're painting, you're an artist. I don't think that we need to put any professional parameters or external critiques on this. It's it's about the doing of it. 
all about the process. So maybe this next question is a bit redundant because you talk to artists all the time. Yeah. So how often do you talk to artists? Yeah, every day. I'm married to one. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm married. I'm married to Adrian Rodriguez, who is an artist, who is my partner here at Miramar. And he and I, uh, you and I were actually just discussing, have been together a long time, so 22 years, all through art school. Uh, we've been each other's you know, I had uh, my first internship after school when uh, the woman I worked for found out that I was dating an artist. Um, she And that was actually because I was talking about a conversation where I had said I didn't like a piece he was working on. And she said, you can never say that to your boyfriend. You can, if, you guys, if you're dating another artist, you cannot tell him that you don't like his art. And I thought, that's not going to work for us. Because we are... That he's my confident, confidant in my art process. Like I need his his criticism. I can't have him telling me he likes everything. Not everything's good. There are plenty of things that are bad. And some things are maybe good here and bad there. And I need that person to, to say that to me. And I need that to be somebody I can trust. And I think that he, well, he's still with me. So obviously he agrees with me in that. Um, so I talk to him every day. And then here at Miramar with the artists coming in every day. We talk to artists every day. Um, I think talking to artists I don't know would be great. I don't do that as often. And I think um, we had a few virtual attempts at that in the last year that were really lovely, like doing little tours in other people's studios and having very different artists come together, painters versus um, digital makers versus somebody who maybe isn't calling themselves an artist but is totally an artist. Those are really helpful everybody's process is different and the way that you get a fresh set of eyes it makes a huge difference when you start a piece you start but how do you know when you're done with the piece um so that's an interesting question because i think when you're making a piece that's always the question right am i really done here could i do more i think you get to these places where you know you're close and then, and then you either ruin it, like I said, from overworking it, or be, because sometimes it's a matter of balance, right? You want a certain balance. And sometimes you come to that early on, and then you think, that can't, I can't possibly be finished here. That was really quick. I'm going to keep working, and you ruin it. And other times, you need to do all these little adjustments at the end. Um, and that is where I think sometimes we're, we stop. And maybe there was one more tweak you could have done, but you, you, it's a guess a little bit. You know, it feels balanced. You feel settled with it, and and you move on. Some of it might just be like you're ready to stop. I don't feel like I'm supposed to say that, but sometimes you have to call it. Like that's where that is where this is landed, and on to the next one. Okay, we're gonna move on from art into life okay. stuff. And what was the best piece of advice you were ever given okay um there's a can i say a few here um some of these are from artists and some of these are from bosses and uh there was um like on a video as a kid and from my art teacher there was an artist who really said it's your being successful as an artist isn't about talent it's about hard work and and keep going i think that was an important lesson because Things don't just come to you, right? You have to really go after and you can be amazing, but if nobody sees that, you're not, 
I'm, I mean, success is, you know, but I'm not independently wealthy. So I kind of need like other people to be involved in my uh, success, right? To pay the bills. Uh, so that was a piece of advice. Another art, uh, art she wasn't actually my art teacher. Um, she was, but I went to one of her lectures in high school. She told a story of um, her entire studio burning down and she lost everything that she had. She lost everything from before. If somebody else hadn't already bought it, it was all gone. And she said, what that taught me when I had to start fresh was never to fall in love with work that I had done again. And I think that's, if you wanna to continue to move forward or even to that last question about when are you done with a piece, I think you have to be willing, you know, maybe to sometimes ruin something to, to get to the next step, to get to the next piece. Like how far can you push it? When do you have to just let it go? Um, continuing to question yourself and to continue to move forward. I think if you fall in love with something you've done and you feel content with it, I think it's it doesn't work with the process of continuing to grow and create. Um, and then I, I think this wasn't so much a piece of advice from a boss, but just kind of a, an awareness of the way things are. I, you know, life isn't actually just about how hard you work. It, there is luck involved in a lot of individuals' success. And a lot of people don't really acknowledge that as much, right? They're like, I worked really hard to get to where I am. The truth is, is everybody, everybody, wherever they are, has received some help to get to that place in their life. And he said, um, you know, I, he was talking about himself. I've been really lucky. Um, but I also was prepared for the moments when I got lucky. And I, I think it was just a nice way of articulating, you do have to work hard and talent maybe matters and your hard work. You also need that luck. But if you haven't been, if you're not ready for when that moment comes, you can't grab it. Um, maybe you'll never get that moment, but you kind of want to be prepared just in case, right? Always be prepared, just in case, I like that. We're going to go on a little fantasy for a moment, if okay. that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. Your plane just landed. Where are you? So I, well, anywhere would be great, but um, I really want to go to Rome right now. Um, I went there in high school, and it's a trip that I've been wanting to redo, and right now I, uh, I want to travel so much right now along with probably everybody else in the world, and I realize Italy's not probably going to happen, you know, this year, but... That's where I want to go and walk around again and uh, bring. Adrian hasn't hasn't been to Italy and my kids haven't been and it, of all the cities there, that's one that I would love to do like a walking a walking week, just walk around for a whole week in Rome. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, can I come? Yes, of course. Oh, Everybody can come. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do that makes you lose track of time? Uh, so talking with friends. It's the easiest way for me to lose track of time. As anybody here in Swampscott knows, if I've been in their yard having a drink in the evening, oops, it's like midnight. You know, it's just really easy. It's enjoy I love talking to people in the evening. I really get Gabby, and um, I just I, I can't keep track of time in those situations. That sounds so nice. I'm looking forward to summer and doing that a little bit more. 
Now, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? So I know very well how old I am. So this is hard for me to answer. I think I used to make a joke that like 28 was my forever age, but I don't think that's true anymore. I, you know, 28 is when I had my first child. Um, and I think there was, there was a part of me that saw, I don't know, maybe like life changed a little bit right there. But I'm turning 40 this year and um, I feel like that's an appropriate age. I feel actually like very comfortable with it. And I, um, I'm a big movie watcher and sometimes you, you see some like elegant women in their 40s, right? And back to my liking nice clothes, like these nice clothes and they just feel mature and a little powerful. And I'm hoping to be able to embody that in this next decade like it's being like a real mature boss woman that's what I want and I feel ready to take that on so 40 is feeling like a good age I'm not there though yet I got like two more months when was the last time you listened to your own breathing um every day because I'm wearing these masks and I didn't really want to talk too much about COVID but I here at Miramar wear my mask a lot uh, almost all day and when I'm walking here from my house I put it on and off I, I don't wear it completely the whole way there are some parts of my walk that are very quiet but one of the things about these masks I don't know if you've had this experience too is um, I'm really conscious of my breathing and I I think it's because I can hear it. I think it's because I can like feel it I don't consider them terribly intrusive I've gotten quite used to used to it it's just made me a lot more conscious of my breath and it's one of these things that I wonder when I'm not wearing a mask anymore at least all the time um like how will that change a part of me is is wondering if I'm breathing different if I'm holding my mouth different you know but I, I don't know it's been a weird experience in that way but I've become a lot more conscious of both my breath and the way like I, I hold like my jaw during the day it's random, but I like it. And what are you never without? Shoes. I am never without shoes. I am not a barefoot person. I mean, on the beach, obviously, I have to be barefoot a little bit because sand gets into your sandals or your flip flops. Um, but even, even there, like sometimes I have water shoes to go into the water. I, I know so many people that are really good about being barefoot and they walk like barefoot up and down the street and my kids are maybe in that bucket. I cannot do that. I am not a barefoot person. Maybe if I was on nice grass, I don't have nice grass in my yard. You know, um, I have a lot of rocks. It's rocky around here. So I, and in the house I have shoes. I have like house shoes. I have shop shoes. I have outdoor shoes. I have going out shoes. And when I travel, I bring more than one pair of shoes. I might only bring one pair of pants, but I maybe will bring three pairs of shoes. I always have shoes. I don't always have my phone. I left that here last night. So, but I have my shoes. Keep walking. Yeah. If you had an imaginary friend, what would you two do? So, um, I don't know if I've ever had an imaginary friend. I definitely talk to myself a lot, and maybe that is what an imaginary friend is. Um, and to the what loses track of time, because I really, I really enjoy spending time with other people, I don't know what I would do with an imaginary friend um, so much as maybe try to make mm, some other real friends with the use of my imaginary friend. Uh, 
Yeah, I think like things I want to do right now, I want to do with the people that I know. You know, there's, you know, a lot of people that I don't get to see as often, with or without the pandemic, just because of, you know, I, I have moved away from my home. They have moved away from home. Even here in Boston, we live on the South Shore versus the North Shore. It feels like, you know, you might only see somebody once a year. Um, yeah, so I think I just want to hang out with my real friends right now. And the imaginary friend can stay in the past here. We've already gone through 19 questions. The final question is, is there a question that I didn't ask that you wanted me to ask? Hmm. Did I write this? Um, we talked about Miramar. We talked about my family. Um, you didn't ask me if I'm a cat or dog person. Oh, are you a cat or dog? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. That was just a silly response. But uh, I've had a cat in my entire life. But we have a we have a dog now who's down here at the shop. Sometimes I don't know that you've met Ziggy. Have you met Ziggy? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm probably a pet person. Maybe. I don't think I've ever lived without a pet. Okay. Do you have a pet? No. Have, oh, have you ever had a pet? Occasionally. Okay. And one final piece of advice that you would give the whole wide world. Last, last <laughs> moment. Last <laughs> statement. Final statement. Samia, this is it. Mm, I'm going to say get out, enjoy the sun with your friends because summer is coming and I'm looking forward to that more than anything. Great. Thank you so much. Okay, thank this you, has been great Agatha. fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stop by again.